Marion Bergen is a director and photographer whose new short film Searsha premieres on nowness.com on October 12th. It's a film and photography project about urban horse life in Dublin City. You'll remember a recent podcast we did that looked at Molyneux Yard in Dublin 8 and the stables that were under threat there from development. And that's kind of a theme that repeats itself across the city. Marion's film paints an empathetic, compassionate picture of mostly men who look after horses in the city and for whom they are central to their lives. Hello, Marion. Hello, Una. How are you doing? Very well. Very pleased to be here with you today. Brilliant. Before we get into uh, the film itself, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, where do I start? Um, I have recently returned back to Dublin. Um, I was living in London for 15 years where I ran a fashion label that some of your listeners might know of. It was called Bitching and Junk Food. And it was wild and it was very party. And I sort of fell out of love with fat well I still love fashion but I just I wanted more creative control and I wanted to explore new avenues so I moved over into styling music videos and then sort of quickly progressed to directing and then just started I guess wanting to look you know all of my stories had been visual until then and started wanting to look at how I could explore deeper narratives or um, deliver things from new perspectives and that kind of led me to documentary filmmaking I guess like this is this is my first documentary short and it's something that I'd always wanted to try because I love characters I love people um, and then I, I've realized I guess in recent years that there are important stories that need to be told um, and things that we need to shine a light on. And that's something that I aim to do in my work now. Mm-mm. You said about um, the film that it was kind of like a repatriation project of you returning to Ireland. What yeah. is it about this topic that you were drawn to? I guess, like, yeah, I've been on a bit of an interesting journey. So having been over in London for pretty much most of my adult life like I moved to London because at the time I didn't feel like I had room for my creativity here and I guess I I was really inspired by the diverse cultures that I encountered over there and everything felt new and interesting and um, stuff that I hadn't seen before and moving home it kind of happened in the other direction so after the Brexit vote, something changed for me about London. And I felt like it had been changing over a few years. And I guess, you know, as you sort of grow up and like I wasn't going to parties every weekend. And I, you know, I felt a, I felt a deeper connection with Ireland and with the land here. And when I came home, I was drawn to exploring Ireland and exploring our culture from a new perspective because essentially even though I was raised here this is my motherland I I was seeing everything's with you know I, I kind of say I felt like an American tourist in my own town where everything had this sense of awe and wonder and um yeah it was it was I wanted to do something that I felt represented where I was from and represented my culture and something that I was proud of um you know because the Irish people are 
very patriotic and very proud people. And I think when I was in London, I'd taken on so many other cultures and so uh, many diverse ideas that I wanted to do something that just really felt like represented my roots. So, yeah, so in a sense, it was it was like for, for me, this film has been the thing where I felt, OK, I'm really home, like I'm really back. I'm really committed to Ireland. That's a really nice sentiment, actually, when you when you put it like that. I'm interested in how almost kind of from a from a documentarian or even journalistic perspective that you then said about which stories you would tell and what perspectives you would tell, I think, engaging in any kind of, I don't know, niche community or interest or even subculture, it can be very difficult to um, enter into that and tell that story without it seeming like a very arm's length. And I think what's really special about your film is that you're really, it's it's not voyeuristic or uh, anthropological. Like you're really mm. there with people feeling what they're feeling, understanding their opinions. Was it difficult to find people for whom that would come through in the film? Uh, that's a really good question. And this, uh, as I mentioned, this was my first documentary short. And I think when I initially, like, I've changed a lot as a filmmaker from the film that I initially set out to make to the film that I've actually finally delivered. And, you know, there's been amazing people who've helped me on the way and um, you've kind of acted as mentors for me to sort of help me guide the vision and also to guide what I wanted to say. And I think when I set out to make it initially, I was, you know, my background was in fashion design. So I was interested in really visual things. And the narrative was definitely more visual and it was more of like just a sort of, hey, this is a, an interesting subculture and I'll just make something that looks cool. And then as I dug deeper into the culture, like I realized that I had a bit more of a responsibility to tell to depict the people in the right way and I wanted especially because I'm a woman dealing with men um for me it was really important to strike a balance between like men who are strong men and have concerns for their children and their families and you know um but also sort of finding the balance where I could see the softness and um I don't know, like a very, a sort of warmth and a, and a friendliness. And I did, I, I really immersed myself in the culture. So like, I, you know, I've knocked on caravan doors in Finglas and I've been to horse fairs and I, I've visited lots of different yards. And I think like, obviously as a filmmaker, there needs to be a connection between you and the people as well. And it's a mutual trust. So I was entering into this very, male dominated culture and go into places on my own and um I guess it was like it's a two-way street in terms of a, a vulnerability you know when you when you do something like that with real people um so yeah I did actually in the end I put a lot of effort into finding my people and also like obviously visiting you know welfare of animals is a massive concern and I'm an animal lover and I really care for animals. So I did want to um, find people who had really beautifully kept yards and, 
you know, the horses were really well looked after and really well fed and they genuinely cared about their horses. Um, because I don't feel that, I feel like we sort of rarely get to see the other side of the story. And, you know, we only ever see people that own horses portrayed as scumbags. And I think, um, yeah, I did. I put a lot of effort into finding my people and um, hopefully do it, depicting them in a way that, uh, you know, shines that shines the right light on them. That kind of language that you've raised there is so heightened. And I think that you're right not to shy away from it because it is an opinion that that some people kind of looking on uh, have. I know when I wrote recently about um, horse culture in Dublin City in, in the Irish Times, you know, a lot of people were were, were critical of, of what I wrote. Um, it goes without saying that, you know, animal welfare should be tantamount, you know, when any animals... Yeah and any animals are involved I feel like that kind of goes without saying and mm-hmm. um I guess you know once you you're holding that thought and then also going and here's a broader culture that is like under threat that is actually made up of loads of people who behave in loads of different ways but intrinsically it's the culture that needs to be preserved and then the responsibility Agreed. and the standards you know are diverse within that and people yeah. have personal responsibility to kind of exercise them yeah I mean I think like I always liken it to um staffy owners so staffies get such a bad rap because they're dangerous breeds and people you know generally judge that if you're a staffy owner you're a bad person and your dog's a dangerous dog and that's just not always the case like there's there are like you said there are all different kinds of people and there are good and bad people in every culture and you know I'm not denying I have encountered welfare issues in my research but you know this is something that we already know about and what I was really interested in is horse culture as part of our culture and that doesn't mean you know that you will hear opposition that says that and poor animal welfare shouldn't be part of our culture and I 100% agree with that but I think it's important yeah I think like there's so many layers in this you know even in terms of like okay well so we preserve culture that's deemed middle class culture. So culture that's in galleries is middle class culture. But like, how do we find a way to preserve working class culture? Because that is culture. And if there are welfare issues, how do we address that? And how do we pres- preserve something that's dear to a different level of society? Because just because it's relevant for that level of society, does that mean that it's not culture? You know, mm. I, I think this throws up all sorts of issues sort of broadly speaking, not only about how we approach animal welfare, but how we approach how we treat other people and how we approach the how we treat different levels of society. And I think now is a really important time for us to be looking at that. And and like I said, nobody agrees with poor animal welfare, but also in, in some of the areas, you know, where there are animal welfare issues, the welfare of the people in, in those areas isn't amazing either. So how do we address that? How do we give people something that that empowers them and that they're passionate about and that can be passed down through generations because these things are they're part of the fabric of of Dublin they're part of you know there's some of I've spoken to quite a few people about my horse film people abroad and these are memories that they hold on to from Ireland and, and we can't deny that that is a part of our culture yeah 
I'm often suspicious of people who really hone in on a particular concern that they have on a particular thing because I don't know. I remember my mum is from Banasloe and she talks so fondly yeah. about growing up as a kid and the horse fair there and an awful lot of the re- like that's one of the ho- oldest horse fairs in Europe, I think. And yeah, one of it's the-, the oldest horse fair in Europe and the biggest horse fair in Ireland. And I think it was because um, I've shot at Banasloe. So like I started out doing my research. Banasloe is one of the fairs that I went to. And mm. I think Michael D, like Michael D. Higgins speaks at Banasloe every year and he wanted to um, start a petition to make it into a UNESCO World Heritage Site, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the the rhetoric my mum was saying, you know, that's tied up in opposition or criticisms to that is actually ultimately just anti-traveller rhetoric. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, yeah. um, and people kind of talk about, you know, give out about how an animal, they perce- how they perceive an animal is treated, yet go home to like, you know, some mad pedigree inbred dog, you know, it's yeah. just like, well, but listen, um, one of the things that uh, I was talking to on the podcast recently with Patrick Frayne was about his, his kind of reporting. And he said this thing where, you know, nobody is a cliche, you know, when you go out to talk to people, you just realize nobody is cliched. Yeah. I was wondering, um, you know, what surprised you about your encounters, uh, in the process of making this film? Well, I'll be completely honest, <laughs> but like I'm from Clontarf um, and was raised in a very sort of uh, low key, leafy suburb. And I was drawn to this culture just because I felt like it was a wild part of Dublin that I wanted to explore. And obviously, um when you tell your mum that you're like going to drive up the back of Finglas and go to a sulky race and hang out the boot of a Mercedes on the Navan Road, like at 6am in the morning recording a race and doing stuff like that, like there's a lot of fear and there a lot of people will be like, um, don't drive into O'Devney Gardens and knock on doors or don't do this and don't do that. And so like I had a lot of fear starting I had a lot of fear when I was starting out making this documentary because I first of all was questioning like why what gives me the right to do this and then I was questioning why do I want to do this because I do actually feel a bit scared and I don't I didn't feel entirely comfortable doing everything that I did and like the biggest well I guess it wasn't a surprise because ultimately like there is something deep inside of me that I just have faith in other people and you know I've traveled extensively and I've traveled on my own a lot and I'd rather believe that people are going to do good rather than the opposite and I was kind of I I was just really happy that I encountered people who were really open and really hospitable and you know obviously men being men I got a bit of stick and there was a bit of banter and all of that but like I can give as good as I get in that environment and um it was yeah it was just really nice like and and I built friendships with people and I'm still friends with those people and like we'll call each other for chats and I guess yeah I guess that was the surprise for me was that everything that everybody was telling me bad that was going to happen and that I shouldn't be doing None, like none of that actually happened but I can't mm. say I was massively surprised because I just believe in the good of people you know and I think as well when there's obviously a little bit of um 
mistrust of somebody like me rocking up in that environment asking questions and saying I want to make a film or like I'm inquiring about stuff so you know like I said there had to be possibly there was a bit of surprise that like on their part as well that I didn't turn out to be this person that was uh, just going to misrepresent them or to sort of um, fetishize the culture which I think can happen quite a lot as well. Mm. Very honest answer appreciate that. (laughs) Um, Has the repatriation process worked? Oh yeah 100% I think Ireland's (laughs) great like I'm so in love with Ireland at the moment (laughs) as anybody who follows me on social um, can tell like I I just I love the horses I moved I love Dublin One I moved back to Dublin One um, I love living in the city centre. I'm swimming. It's I th- and I also think there's just some really exciting stuff happening in the Irish cultural landscape at the moment. And although you know the context of this film is the gentrification and the development of of Dublin, like there's this whole generation of creative people that are being creative digitally. You know, they're finding ways. Like there's even um. Like there's Instagram accounts that I followed that champion old Irish typography and they're using it in new and interesting ways. And there's this passion um, with younger generations to hold on to our culture and to find ways to keep it alive. So I just think it's a, you know, while we're all sort of, obviously it's a challenging time for anybody who's creative and anybody who's freelance, but I feel like even more so we're sort of like digging down into our roots and, and as well, like looking at influences from other countries. So like African Irish people that are growing up and, you know, how's, what does Irish culture mean to them? I think it's a very exciting time to be here. Um, Marion Bergen is the artist and filmmaker. The film is called Searsha. It premieres on Ninus.com on October 12th. It is a beautiful piece of work um, and really, really well done. And I look forward to loads and loads of people seeing it. Thanks so much for joining me, Marion. Thanks, Una.